0: Here we go. Episode 10. I'm thinking it's like the final countdown, but we're not even close. We're just getting warmed up. We're out here in the middle, out here in the middle of somewhere today um, with a really awesome guest. And I know I say that all the time. We got a really awesome guest coming on next and next up, there's going to be this really awesome person. But today we're talking about a person that is at a pinnacle that so many people wish to achieve in their life and a person that not only is a professional at what they do, not only they are a superstar at what they do, but at the same time, he's just a damn good guy. He's just a person that after hanging out with for a couple of days, like, you know, he, we we had a conversation last night. We were shooting some some video in the middle of a salt flat, really a mud flat, laughing and having some jokes. And we were talking about, and this is something that we're going to get into in the podcast a little bit deeper it's the fact that in his sport, there's not so many people that are really signing up to do what he's doing, which for some reasons are obvious because you don't want to get your body just completely beat. But at the same time, people are not falling into these footsteps because they don't see and sense the brotherhood of what it's like to be a good person in that scenario. And so we're going to dive deeper into that, but we want to get into the we want to get into the backstory. And before we get in the backstory, I've got Johnny Caldwell back in here. Hey, hey, hey. What's up, Johnny Caldwell? Thanks for having me again. Hey, man, you've been in Del City for, <laughs> what, few like days. six days? Yeah, a few days. What does the, the Frenchman tell you every time you walk in the office? Have you sold something yet? Or are you, you're still here? You're still here. Yeah. <laughs> so last night we were driving around too, and you're like, hey, isn't this great? Do you think you could live out here? You know, I was telling my wife last night, I ever, huh,
1: i i I'm thinking about it.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's, it's hard to leave. It's just so,
1: so cool to just, it's like Mayberry really.
0: Mayberry with rattlesnakes. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, it.
1: And beautiful views, vistas and sunsets. And it's you, an incredible. On the
0: place. Instagram, we were talking about bush this week, you know, and the fact that we want our, our cotton plants to be nice and bushy. And, uh, and so without further ado, we were beating around the bush here and we need to get to why we're on the podcast today. God, Johnny, <laughs> stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> Mason Clemens, I mean, just to have you in person, to have you on the farm, to get you, you were riding around on a baler with an American flag behind you today. I mean, it's awesome. And
2: you felt American.
0: <laughs> you're a world finalist. You've been to the national finals rodeo. You are a bareback cowboy, bronc riding, horse poop, stomp. And I mean, all American. What, what, what? That's a heck of a, Intro. Intro. Well, yeah. they said that Thank I was you. supposed to be the hype guy, right? So I'm supposed to be in here and kind of, you know, get everybody hyped up about what we're doing. So you got a. Well, let's just say this: everybody's got a unique story, but at the same time, your story's uniqueer because is that in the dictionary? Uniqueer. You just or, made it more unique. would you? Well, that don't don't get <laughs> proper <laughs> with me, Mason. I'm not proper. <laughs> you sit in your chair. Okay. So so as we're <laughs> as we're we're talking about your story, how many professional bareback riders are there in the country i think there's about 70 of us now 70 professional bareback riders how many people in the country do you think are riding bareback horses hope to get to be professional
2: Ooh, i'd say i don't know, just a guess yeah wild wild guess
0: 200 200 200 so 200, then you go 200. into, then you go into call a collegiate rodeo and you go into high school rodeo and you, you
2: high get, school or junior high, high school,
0: college, and then the pro professional. circuit. So as I mean, so you've got all of these people that are looking up to, you. and then you've got people like me that are just spectators that are like, I wish I had the ability to do what you do and watching you get on a bucking horse and watching you be able to not hang on, but make it look like it's a part of your body. Like you and that animal or one, one piece together is absolutely amazing, but you didn't grow up a rodeo cowboy. You didn't grow up in a rodeo house.
2: No racing, motocross, playing baseball, playing football. Uh, what positions
0: do you play in baseball?
2: Catcher, catcher, catcher and shortstop third base.
0: I, I was going to make a shortstop choke at you, but you know,
2: yeah. Heard it before. I know. Oh, sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> How tall I are on
2: you on the short guy? I know. I'm sorry. Uh, five, six, about and five, six, 165
0: pounds. <laughs> Soaking wet. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but ripped. I like to be, I'd like to get
0: a little bit heavier and still be lean. I've got some to secrets to getting heavier. I don't know about lean, but if you want to get heavier, I've got some chimichangas that we can rip up. That'll really, really help you out. Well, I met this guy. He makes this, Coffee.
2: Oh, I And of him. yeah, he's from Sheridan. Mm-hmm. He's Bert- up
0: there now. Yeah. He wears some kind of like poker players hat.
2: Yeah. Yeah. American Beaver American poker pe- poker player hat. Mm. Yeah. Would that be Bertie? I think that's his name. Bert yeah. Kuntz?
0: No. Bison Union. Oh, bison union. That's the guy. Oh yeah.
2: yeah. Bison Union. He uh I always watch his stories and he's always eating biscuits and gravy and cheeseburgers and
0: And he is
1: swole. Yeah. What is that about? <laughs> that
2: dude is he's yoked.
1: He works his butt off. I mean, how can you be that ripped and eat biscuits and gravy all the time? I think you don't ever stop. You just keep going. Wow.
0: Well, yeah, look, I mean, look at the story, but the you same thing with going. you as I, so, so our, we're, we're going to get into your life story and kind of how you came up through motocross and, and being a middle linebacker and being a catcher and a shortstop and all those kind of things the the way that we were introduced to Mason was we went out for a business proposal with a couple of people. Turns out that you were hanging out with Buster and Bert and uh, you were putting Bert on a bucking horse and uh, we got, we got Bronco Bert. Yeah. Bronco Bert. Excuse me. I still had the license plate. I don't know where I need to send that to him. Um, but we got to go hang out with you guys for the day and we got to, you know, first impressions are always something, but at the same time we get there, there's your truck with your living quarters on the back of the truck. It's got a picture of you spread out, you know, going 90 just, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, we're in a different world. We're in a world. Everybody starts walking out of their little casitas and they're, everybody is just ripped. And I'm like, wow, I've never felt more like a marshmallow in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Like i mean, just squishy all around. And, uh, and this, after listening to you, talking to Bert, walking him through it because he was nervous, man. I mean, that guy was just freaking out.
2: I think he was nervous, but in, in a excited way, I don't. Right. It wasn't scared in that. Yeah. I mean, in the line of work that he's been through, like, like, I don't know if that guy gets nervous. Right. I think he gets excited.
0: And, and so just watching how you, you, Jumped in there with him and we're giving him tips and tricks and, and, and showing him all around the rigging and what it's going to be like in the shoot and then on the spur board and the machine and all, all, everything that you guys were doing, it was just so cool. And it started to paint the picture of who you are. And that's what drew us at Chaffee to you. We're like, wow, this is a really good person. Yes. You're a top contender in the world every single year. And at the same time, you're as human art, human, (laughs) you're, you're as humble <laughs> as any other person that I've ever met my as any other person, as some people that you wish to meet. Right. And you come across as a real man.
2: I mean, yeah, I've gotten cocky and, you know, lived through that whole stage or I still make that mistake, but what does,
0: is, what is it, I, what does it mean? I mean, because you, so you're on the world stage, man, like you're, you're, you're sitting in a shoot you're on top of, 1,700 pounds, 1,500 pounds, whatever, 2,000 pounds of an animal that wishes to get you off of their back as rapidly as possible and maybe paw your face into the ground. Very possible. So so you're sitting, you're in the chute, you're in Las Vegas, Nevada. How many people are in that arena? There's, I think, 17,000. 17,000 people in, in the seats, and then how many million people are viewing on TV. Cause we always have NFR parties, you know, everybody yep. comes over to the house and yep. we have games and we watch. you know, we bet on everybody and have a good time. So you've got the country, you you've got all of these people watching you and you're standing there and you get on the top of this horse and you get down in the chute and you pull your hat down. What, what's going through your mind right there? So
2: backing up to, you know, being a humble person, I've always You know, I know that there's going to be cameras watching. There's going to be tons of people watching. And I just, I remember being a kid and meeting some professional, whether it was a rodeo cowboy, motocross guy, uh, any professional athlete. And just the guys that didn't give you the time of day or, you know, they're not, it's not the guy that you look up to or you want your kid to look up to more importantly, how I look at it. I want to be the guy that I want that my kids look at and say, you know what? He's following somebody good. He's yeah. I mean, he's following somebody that's a good person.
0: We're out tromping around in a cotton field yesterday. It's mm-hmm. 109 degrees and my daughter runs over and you're carrying her around in the middle of a cotton field. And I'm like, yeah, that's good, man. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's a quality. i I want
2: to be that person. That's just, um,
0: so that, the, I, I care. So the, I care.
2: I'm a caring mm-hmm. person
0: another one of our awesome sponsors is big frig coolers you know it seems like everybody has a cooler. I mean, if you, if you think about you in your garage or in the truck of your car or in the back of your pickup, we all have coolers. One thing about being a farmer and running around on the roads that we have, I can beat the living crap out of anything that you put in the back of my truck. And I've had a lot of coolers. I did not understand what it was like to have a well-made cooler until I got a Big Frig cooler. I got to meet Brock a while back. He's the owner of Big Frig. Him and his amazing team have gone through uh, trial after trial, making sure that they are putting together the Best built cooler that you can buy. The cool thing about Big Frig is you're able to customize your cooler as well. So, if you're looking for a personalized logo or if you're looking for something for your company to be on top of that, so that way you're always repping your company, get with the guys at Big Frig. They can do any kind of crazy custom order. Uh, I've got my J Hill logo on mine and I absolutely love it. Went elk hunting with it, orange rubbed all over it. It still looks absolutely amazing. Go to bigfrig.com. They've got all kinds of awesome things and we support their movement as they support ours we look forward to the future with big frig so what makes you what makes you care i mean why do you want to care because think about it here we go again we're, we're we're at the national finals rodeo you're on top of this horse and you're trying to focus everything up what makes you say you know what i actually care about that little kid afterwards it's gonna come up and be like please sign my hat you know you you know you're my hero what makes you get to that level instead of saying I've got to focus on this ride. I'm going to stomp this ride. And the next thing I know I'm going to be at the MGM holding this gold buckle and being like, yeah, I did this. How does that, because so many of us look for success all the way through our life. And then you see people just crumble when they finally get to the point that they finally made it. I've been there a hundred times, but at the same time, what triggers that in you to say, you know what, I'm going to take the time. I'm going to be a better person. And I want to be that person that kids look up to. How do you, how do you do that?
2: My just didn't like the way that I felt when I walked away meeting those certain professional people, and I wanted to be better than they were. I want to be an example to the next generation. So give, give me an
0: give me a give me an, a a story, if you will, of a time, an example of a time that you had the world by the gonads, and it came back and bit you. Oh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh out of the hundred.
0: just give me
2: one example it's um going to the the college national finals um came in there into the college finals in 2014 winning and across the nation in college rodeo you're not competing against every college in the nation you're competing in the region and then the top bareback riders in that region meet other regions right
3: Mm -hmm.
0: and It's kind of like NCAA.
2: Yeah. And you see, you, you see how many points those guys won in their region. And then they, you know, they put them all together and I'm Mm -hmm. winning more like triple the amount of points than second place is. And I just walked in there thinking it's going to be easy. I've got this in the palm of my hand already. Walk in there, show up, do my job, have a college title, walk out. And my second horse was definitely the horse to win it on. And made a really good ride. And they throw the yellow flag because I didn't mark them out.
0: So what does that mean? What does marking out mean?
2: I didn't have the heels of my boots above the shoulders of the horse. When that horse leaves the gate and breaks the plane of the gate after it's opened and steps into the arena, his front feet step into the arena. You have to hold your feet above his shoulders for that first jump. That first, second initiation of the clock.
0: And that's the markout.
2: That's your markout. After that, pull him. Okay. And Bring that's him.
0: that's where your knees are coming to your shoulders. And then you're going back down across his neck with your, with your heels. Just trying to yep. stay in time and then rhythm with that horse. Yep. Exactly. It and looks so violent. If you don't, that's, that's why they, the the markout
2: is so important. That first jump, having a good, strong markout is really to your advantage because, you know, I always reference a rubber band. You're creating this tension, you're squeezing, you nod your head. And then he jumps out there, plants his feet. You need to let that tension go so that you can build it back up again to make another, to sperm and, and hold your feet and stay on your rigging.
0: So what was the outcome of that rodeo?
2: Uh, that was it for me. That was it. It's a two round and a short at the college finals. And you were done. That took me out of the average. That was it. And what
0: that was it? So what was the drive home? Like
2: It was a long way home. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, I was just telling my fiance about this the other day. I didn't perform as good as I did in Prescott. And, you know, I'm just kind of in my own thoughts after the rodeo driving back to the airport and I'm She's, you know, trying to cheer me up. And I said, Yeah, I'll get over it here in just a second. Like I just tried to play my ride over my head. And she goes, Well, you gotta let it go fast. And I said, When I when this happens, I always think about the football game I played in high school. We were uh state champions and going to the state championship and between the last game of the regular season and the state championship, we drove all the way to Sacramento, California to play their number one team. And they did not like us one bit being there. You could hear them in the, in the locker room under the stadium, just screaming, yelling, pissed off that we're there, you know, telling us all we're going to get our butts whooped. It was hostile. (laughs) This is a hostile environment walking out into the stadium and they're get your butt whooped, white boy. Yeah. (laughs) You know, they're 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 howling on you. Yes. And before we walked out of the locker room, it's pretty quiet. Coach walks in and goes, You hear that? I remember how many hours it took us to get over here and how long it took to drive here. He said, You got to go out there and give it your best. You go out there and give it your best. It's a long way here. But it's a hell of a lot longer on the way home if you don't do your best.
0: And what happened to that football
2: game? We lost by one point.
0: Oh, my mm-hmm. gosh.
2: And he walked, you know, we all went in the locker room, started packing our bags to get back on the bus right after. And he just said, boys, good game played. Well done. But it's a long way home. You know, He to me, that was. That's a black cloud. To me, to me, that was a. Uh, You guys gave it your best, but there's somewhere that needed to be better than your best at the, in this moment, in this game.
0: So as you're going through that mental game, you know, you didn't have a good ride. You you blew it in the college finals. You know, what brings you back around and what gets you ready to go for the next ride? What gets you ready to go for the next day? Because I know, I know like we'll make a decision on the farm, you know, and it's a knee jerk reaction. We've got pest problem or a weed problem or weather coming in and I make our knee jerk reaction and it screws something up royally, but the sun's going to come up again tomorrow. And if I sit there and I dwell on it, then I know, well, we're probably gonna make the same mistake or I can think about it and then I can reload. What do you, how, how do you reload before you go into another arena?
2: Just like you doing, you're not going to get over excited about anything and overreact and make an irrational judgment, you know, immediately. But, you know the quicker you the quicker you can realize what you did right and not necessarily what you did wrong but where you need to sharpen focus on the good things that just happened that you did correct in that ride now look at where you need to sharpen visualize that let it go and get so- back to the house get on the spur board and me I'm visually or vividly imagining that ride And then trying to replay the, that scenario on my spur board, you know, closing my eyes, imagining what
0: that felt like it and what I want it to feel like. What is it? I mean, and that's the thing that I, to me, to be a professional in anything, you know, you are a master of your trade. And um, so you, you are a master of riding bucking horses at the same time, you know, in, in football or baseball or whatever your opponent Is somebody that is equally as talented, um, where you're able to study and understand your opponent and understand his strengths and his weaknesses. But in rodeo, you're getting on a wild animal. You know, got his own mind, and he's got his own mind. And and just because you know he went left, and you know whatever terminology you use in rodeo, he did that for the last four weeks in a row, changing leads, jumping forward, yeah. It's I felt like a cowboy when he started saying stuff like that. I was like, yeah, he was changing leads. He's jumping for yeah, <clears man>. cowboy." <laughs> uh, but it, at the same time, how do you prepare yourself for that ride? And, and I don't want to just focus on rodeo today, but at the same time, I think it's so cool for so many people to hear what it's like to get on the pack of something like this. So so, you know, you're on the spur board. You're getting your mind over Prescott. You didn't like that ride. And you get home, you're closing your eyes, you're focusing, you're making sure that you're going through the rhythm that you want to be in. And at the same time you go to the next rodeo, where are you going next?
2: After Prescott, I went to Vernal. What happened? The following Wednesday. What happened at Vernal? You know, I dang near had the same thing happen. Uh, you know, on the mark out, it wasn't as strong as I wanted it to be. And finished better on that ride. But. Started at home that night. It's a two and a half hour drive from where I live and we didn't get home till midnight. And I was like, "Man, that's just eating at me. The way that I started that horse, that one part, mm-hmm. I'm really happy with the way that I finished. I kept gassing him all the way through the whistle, but I just wasn't happy with the way that that started. I know that if I started that horse better,
0: he would perform better. All 90% of them will. So sometimes I feel like when you're trying to focus on something that you failed at, you know, the, the, I say that, take that with a grain of salt. I'm not saying you're a failure, <laughs> obviously oh, not. Um, but at the same time, if you're focusing in on what's happening in that situation, do you sometimes feel that you overtrain yourself for the next situation? So that you go to another rodeo and you mark that horse out unbelievable, but then you, you're like, oh crap, I marked him out. Well, I got to finish this thing. And you've got eight seconds to make all of these. I mean, it's like a drag race. No, no, it's almost polar
2: opposite. Okay, I think I think you can never train too much for a mark out. That's seriously the most important part of your ride. It'll set up the the whole thing. You know, um, you, you it needs to be crisp. It needs to be sharp. And so I got on my spurboard that night. And marked that spurboard out 10, 12 times, closed my eyes and did it another 10, 12 times and thought about how that ride would have felt if I'd have marked that horse out like
0: that. So, so you're, you're, you're getting on these horses. I
2: was familiar with that horse too. Okay. I knew how that horse
0: should have felt.
2: Should I have marked him out better? Mm-hmm. So, you know, knowing my opponent that way, there was an advantage to me. Yeah, I knew it, but didn't capitalize on it. Right. And that eats at me. I gotcha. Are you over it it
0: now? Oh, yeah. Okay. You're ready (laughs) for the next one. Yeah. I've
2: been been to two rodeos since then, and um, that last one Sunday that I got on, I did way better. Started way better, and the horse was a little bit longer So he's jumping ahead and he's pulling like snatching the rigging away from your hand, from your hips. He's wanting to pull you forward, you know, and he's on the wrong lead. And so that's dropping your
0: hips. So when you're saying, so walk us through that. So let's, let's, let's go back to the chute. You got the horse standing in the chute. Your rigging is what? Right there's in. no saddle
2: no it's a it's it's your your
0: ass is on horsehair.
2: It's a leather body with um like a composite plastic core in the body and then it's rawhide formed handle takes I don't know eight months for from start to finish of the whole process um, smashing layers and layers of rawhide together putting rivets through it and then when you get it you form it to the way that you want it to feel in your hand so do you soak that rawhide nope so it comes completely hard hardened but you file the rawhide okay file it so like i use a a 10 inch rasp and sometimes a dremel and fine tune it run my hand in out of it fix this part check another part and fine tune that rawhide to where I can squeeze my handle. If you can squeeze your handle and kind of feel like if you're not going to squeeze, you're going to come out because you don't want to be riding on that on, on your glove. It's a thick leather glove. And then we build, we call them tits. You know, there's a, on your pointer finger where the front of the handle will sit. It's got a little bump. Bubble in it that it's that uh you said the guy that builds your gloves, you tell him how you like it, you know, how big you want your tit. And then you have another one that hangs off the back. <clears throat> Excuse me.
0: And it, it's that hay dust. It is. You need some more water, you get over there. Yeah, I'm, I'm cool. And so we got tits, we got tits up and tits it, down. So it
2: locks in and it's just to assist holding on to that handle. Mm-hmm. You, Physically cannot hold on to that sucker without those, but you don't want to rely on them. That makes sense.
0: So how much exercise are you doing just with your hand? Like how strong does your hand have to be? Um, I think forearm strength is big shoulder.
2: You want to work on your attachments. So everything that your bicep attaches to runs down into your forearm, into your wrist, and it'll, you know, you first start riding bareback horses, it gets sore.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You start to get sore. You get forearm splint, like you get a shin splint, running too much or running wrong.
3: Mm-hmm. Your
2: body's not used to it. You've got to work through that and ride through that stuff to be better. So
0: now, <laughs> so, that, so now we've got your glove, we've got your rigging. Do you place that on the horse or does somebody else place that on the horse?
2: Man, as soon as they start loading those horses and the stock contractor loads the horses into the chute. Him and his um, stock contractor personnel load them into the chute. Then that's my time to own that horse. I do everything with that horse, other than set the flank that the contractor
0: and that's what's has making a desired
2: a- has a desired you know uh, feel to that horse. Okay. He knows those horses and knows how tight to pull that flank strap or how loose to set it. And it doesn't pinch anything. It doesn't constrict any part of their genitals. And a lot of them are, are female horses They're mares. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are mares.
0: Yeah. My wife would have made a good bucking horse of reincarnation. Real. Hey man, some she, she, of the she, best bucking horses, they're mares. <laughs> She's probably going to listen to this and be like, Oh my gosh. So, so now you've got your rigging set the way you like it that's my time to own the horse okay and i own that
2: horse and i put my equipment my bareback rigging and with latigos and a girth i hook it set it and pull it about five six horses before me start making it getting it tight on that horse to where it's Essentially, that's the belt
0: right. that's going underneath, like the the ribs or whatever, of the horse. That's, your cinch, yeah, your yeah, cinch. So it's just like a regular saddle. Yep. But completely different. Yep. Some guys ride a a cotton or. Hey, I like a, that. Thank you, Johnny
2: Mohair. Yep, yeah, Mohair. And I have found that I really like to ride a neoprene cinch.
0: I won't touch it. Yes, yeah. dear. I was hoping you were going to support cotton farmers, but yeah, whatever. Go ahead, hey, Mason.
2: Let's, Say your let's, story. Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about making some cotton sage. Let's,
0: t- let's talk about girders.
2: it. Okay, so, so and the, I I make it as tight as I want it on that horse, and I don't want it to be too tight to where that horse is feeling like he's got something around his chest, right behind his armpits. That's just. Making him tight, like he's not gonna perform when stuff's too tight. Mm-hmm. Same as their flank, you know, he's not gonna buck if you got your belt on the tightest hole. can't you're, move. you're not gonna go run five miles, yeah. right, and work out, right? Like you like a loose waistband, mm-hmm. but especially at my age, yeah, yep, comfy. Mm. Got to be comfy. They perform better when they're comfortable, and it's loose enough they think that they can kick it off. Okay, so it's not. Too tight to where it's constricting their movements, but loose enough they think they they, they got it. a little yeah like just gosh get this
0: get this off me. So so now you've got that on. You're gonna get on the horse now. What's a horse normally? What's a horse normally like in in the shoot?
2: You know some of them like to some of them are excited. You watch uh, race horse barrel horse some rope horses and steer wrestling horses. They get. Kind of around. Yeah. They're mm-hmm. they're excited to go, just like you are. Mm-hmm. But you know, you get in there and you're shaky and you're nervous and you're making fast movements. That makes them nervous. They start feeling your vibe.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like right? Avatar. You're doing that little connecting thing. You really do. Mm-hmm. You really do.
2: They feel. They feel the slightest tension. They know if you're angry, mad. Sad, happy, and these horses no.
0: And well, you got a hundred sixty-five pound ripped man on your back that's about to, you know, do something. They're they're hypersensitive to what you're doing. I want them to know that, but I want them to bring the
2: fight back to me.
0: Oh yeah, Does
2: that makes sense. I got pumped of you just saying that. I like I like to be as cool and calm as possible, so that my horse is as cool and calm as possible as well. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes they get a little wild, jump backwards, and they're just ready to go. So you you're now on the horse. You, you've got. Are you tied? Yeah. I run my hand in my rigging, okay, and slide up underneath the handle as far up there as I can. I and then I ha, you know that's my shoot procedure. Is I'm crawling over there the same way every time, and I make those steps right in my mind, and yeah. I follow steps one through. I don't know eight. Yep climb over slide down onto your horse get all your weight sitting on him keep your spurs on the slat the rails of the chute so you're not uh, poking him in the belly with your spurs
0: so your spurs you are want, out yeah you're not you're not trying to make him pissed off okay so we got spurs out we don't want this we don't want this horse all fired up no
2: you start poking him in the belly he's going to jump around on you okay be really agitated so we're, so,
0: we're not poking him in
2: the belly you start running your hand in your rigging, and you stay off to the side that your riding arm is. Mm-hmm. So, if I right-handed, I'm leaning over to the right. If I'm left-handed, I'm leaning over to the left. You're kind of hugging that inside of the chute, that side. You see, you're, for that. you're hunched over. Your no, you're just you just slide. You know, with your hips over onto the side. That way, if he does rear up or come back. And go all the way back over. You don't have this hard, solid piece of rawhide that's shaped like a spear at go, that angle going into comes your straight abdomen. into your chest. Oh my god, it doesn't feel good. It's it happens and it sucks. <laughs> and sometimes they'll you know lay back
0: there. It sounds like getting run over by an '84 just... Chevy Dooley. Yeah, That's <laughs> you, exactly. You know what I'm talking about. It's exactly like that. <laughs> okay, yeah.
1: It's exactly what it felt like,
0: John. You look lost, but do you remember the story last night? The guy that got run over by the eighty-four ship. Oh yeah, were, yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: <laughs> I was just thinking about that wreck where you rode him all the way when he jumped the fence with you, and you rode him all the way yeah. down, and he fell on top of you. That's where I was. It. Yeah. Oh, uh, that felt worse. <laughs> <laughs> that definitely felt worse.
2: Okay, so but it's sharp, and it you know it gets you right there under the sternum and digs into you and it takes the breath out of you or cracks or breaks a rib it sucks and then you gotta go with it you gotta nod your head and you gotta crack grip so save yourself stay over to the side once you've got your hand in you squeeze it roll your hand around create the bind with that leather glove that thick leather glove but you're not the, tied in no okay no not like bull riding where you. You know, you take the wrap. Right. Behind your hand. You're rosined in though, right? Yeah, but it's just kind of, it's not really sticky. It's dry. It just keeps stuff dry so it doesn't slide. Tight. Yeah. Yep. So. Run your hand in, get your bind right between the rawhide and your leather glove. Roll your hand around and slowly just so smooth and subtle with speed. You want to get in and get out as fast as possible.
3: mm -hmm.
0: Get up. The longer you're in the, the shoe the bigger the chances to get hurt.
2: Yep. That's that's a bad place to be. It's you're enclosed in this metal deal with a eleven 1, hundred pound animal and you weigh one hundred and sixty five pounds. But you're There's ripped bad stuff that could happen. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Okay. So I'm not real So you, I'm you're, yeah, you're pretty right. I'm biscuits and gravy. You should you should have seen the. Need. You had to change shirts for the photo shoot this morning. Intern Sarah almost blew her own brains out right there. She couldn't even see straight. <laughs> Sarah, we're over here. Oh, sorry. Sorry. So, <laughs> you, and you're you're wearing chaps.
2: You are. Yeah. Protecting your legs. Okay. And so you've got those you know, pulled up. Yeah, you kind of just slide them up so that you can you know get that movement in your legs you know do, do you put baby powder in them tight. so that it's like i uh, we have before i've seen seen that yeah, we have before cool. yeah okay so having it, a good time you know partying right rodeo <laughs> just partying everybody's wanting to have a good laugh
0: everybody's got a different definition of party <laughs>
2: this one's all jump on and, some
0: animals let's <laughs> party i've got a goat back there we can uh, ask Harv to ride him <laughs> Okay, so we're, we're we're moving on. So so you're in there. There's nothing on the head of the horse.
2: No, sometimes they'll put a halter on them just to. Um, they'll change the horse from different events. So a bareback horse might go to the bronc riding, and he'll start lifting his head, you know, and he'll get long and start pulling on the bareback rider. So they'll put him in the bronc riding to where he's got a rein on his under his halter, pulling on his head, keeping his chin tucked. And that kind of just frees the horse up to almost trick it a little bit to keep him guessing on what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So that sometimes I put that halter on just to keep try and keep their head down or, you know, some contractors do it just because their brand is on the big nose band of the halter and it looks cool.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: They're proud of that horse, you know. Um, So the stage is set. Other than that, yeah, it's it's you sliding up. We've and got. you make sure everything's, you got your pickup man out in the arena. This is, you do that before you crawl over the chute, really. But you want to make sure your pickup man are in the arena. Make sure that your the stock contractor, the flank man, has got his flank set. So that when you're in there doing your thing, that's the only thing going on at that moment.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Horse leaves the arena. You're in the chute. Slide up on your rigging. Horse left. Pickup man gets set. They tell you, good to go. Slide back, and my procedure is you know up to that point, and then I start squeezing my glutes together. I start rolling my shoulders back, really flexing the bottom part of my
0: abs. I'm doing this my while you're. De- I'm my, I'm you're sucking failing. every bit of vinyl out of the seat right now. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Don't let it go up there though. Oh, sorry. But you're trying. That's what you're trying to create is not letting any space in. Okay. Don't pull anything. In. Don't pull it in. Just no, suck it in. it in. Just pinch it. Get it tight so that you can't suck it. Like, like a tiger. Yeah. Okay. Squeezing with your adductors all the way down to your heels. And I, I like to flex my my feet because you got to turn your toes out. And so flexing those toes back to your knees, trying to pull them back to your knees as hard as you can, that will create that rubber band, mm-hmm. that tension mm-hmm. in your Trunk, your core, your hips, into your upper body, and then into your grip. Did all that procedure, squeezing my horse. (sighs) I am so tense right now. God, I like to, that's what that, and I do that. (laughs) Take a big breath in, lots Mm -hmm. of oxygen. (sighs) Go. Okay. So it's not like a, okay, one, two, three, go. It's just. Now I'm listening to you, you say clear this your head
0: at that I'm, moment. Right? I'm, I'm watching, I'm watching Johnny's feet move around over here. I'm watching him move his shoulders around. Like, you know, I'm feeling it as we're sitting here in, in a podcast, Start but at the same time, you've got, you know, big butts playing on the, you know, Radio, you've got 17,000 people cheering and screaming, and you've got horses being loaded behind you, and you've got the announcer saying, You know, this is a memorial blah, blah, blah. blah. We're so proud to be an American and all this stuff. And so, God made a farmer's going, and all this Mm -hmm. stuff is going on, and your heart's going, at least mine is. How are you getting your head straight to be able to say, I've checked my grip. I'm leaning the right way that I want to be. The horse is where I want him to be. Pickup men are ready. Stock contractors there. Okay, gentlemen, let's party. How do you how do you get that? How do you get? Is it almost like
2: tunnel vision? It is, and it's everything just kind of blacks out. There are times when you're a little more relaxed, right, um, than others. You know, you're going to go up and down. You're going to feel more relaxed sometimes. You're going to feel more tense sometimes. And in those times, I, I like to breathe. Yeah. Just breathing. And I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm playing that shoot procedure through my head before I climb over the shoot mm-hmm. and start actually going through the
0: procedure. And you're about to nod and you're I'm saying, breathing. we're, we're marking this sucker out. Yep. We are marking this sucker. strong mark out, strong mark out, get a good mark out, solid mark out. All right.
2: And breathe. Keep breathing. <laughs> I Jeez. did that. It took me a minute to figure that out. Like I'm getting in those, tense, you know, I'm, I'm intense on those days and it took me a minute to figure out, okay, maybe, maybe I should let some oxygen in. (laughs) I'm like, I'm blocking every bit of blood flow off to my brain and my body, my muscles. And then you start, you know, you start to feel like your legs are heavy.
0: You start start to feel like your breath is shallow and it's like, Mm -hmm. dude, just take a breath. (laughs) So relax a little bit. So the horse is now. Now you've marked the horse out. He's he takes his first steps. You've got him marked out. And then what does it feel like? I mean, what is the what is the what does your body feel like just to be? Because if you watch bareback, man, it just I understand the rubber band now. Yeah. Because it's just, I mean, the way that you are trying to spur that horse. But what does it feel like to your body? Like where where are you feeling the most stress and strain besides your hand? Because your hand's got to take a ton of that, right? Or your forearm. Uh in your shoulder. Okay. But you don't really
2: because you're not you're not lifting with your arm. Okay. Oh, you're you, not? You want to be lifting with your hips. Oh. So you're you're pushing your pelvis <sighs> into your hand. You're you're pushing the very bottom of it. You're going to add the bottom. Yes, below that. Into the handle.
0: So you're putting your gooch mark, onto the yeah, handle. Yes. Okay. Yep. That's exactly it. Well, That takes some balls. I'm glad you said it. It doesn't take, it doesn't take balls. It takes a lot of callous gooch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Keep them up and left. Up and left. That's where I like. To. Do you wear some kind of
2: protector for the boys? Yeah. I wear like a tight compression
0: pair of shorts. Can you have kids? That,
3: uh-huh.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm just, Everything's cool. All right. Yeah, we're all good. All right.
0: Up and left. That's what. That's that's why. That's I how said I down came. and right the other day, and you were like, "No, no, no, uh-uh, don't I go like, that what way." are you talking about? <laughs> like, oh, now I understand. That's bad. <laughs> yeah, I was way off. <laughs> bad, Johnny. It would have, been Johnny. Funny, you haven't said a you sense. haven't said a word yet. What are you? What's well, going through your head?
1: I, I I'm just thinking of all this, and I'm thinking, <laughs> um, you know, how do you create mental toughness to get to this point? You know, we've talked a lot, and. I love just how mentally tough you are as far as being in the mountains and going in the backcountry and so you're
0: wanting to get into is the backstory yeah, of yeah. why he's I want to so get strong. into
1: like, how do you, how do you create that in, in yourself, that mental toughness, um, and be such a good guy? Because a lot of times there's men, there's, there's men out there who are mentally tough and they're, they're abrasive and they're not fun to be around, but how do you, you know, and, you and might, we've had a lot enough conversations now. I, I can just, I just know you're a good guy, and and so let's. How do you do that? Let's
0: do that. So you've, we, we, we've just finished the pro rodeo side of things. So we, we've, and not finished the pro rodeo side of things, but you've just taken us through what it's like to get on a world champion bucking horse. You know, one part before we go into yeah, go up. yes. That's just for the
2: outsider anything, for sure. listening to this. Yes, yeah. And you've never been on a bucking horse, may, on a saddle, even a saddle horse breaking a horse mm-hmm. whatever riding on the trail ride with the family and that horse starts bucking, never done that. If you can think of that one scenario that you had the most um, adrenaline going through your body, had the most blood flow, had the most biggest shake butterflies you got yep. all that pump.
0: that's what it's like every time. And you do that how many times a week?
2: I don't get it though it's weird. I don't get that. Wait a minute! Until after, oh, I okay. step off of a bucking horse that just bucked the lights out, and then that starts flowing. That's me. mental My preparedness. Sh- Everything yeah. shaking.
0: And so you're standing, you're standing in the <laughs> dirt of the arena, and there's people all around, and it's all hoopla and whatever. And that's when it. Hits. That's
2: when you hear the sound more. Okay. Sound you back. hear it like getting over, standing on the back of the shoes, especially Thomas Mag. American, Houston, Calgary, there's people right there behind you. Like the, some of the seats are right there behind you, right? Everybody's looking down at you, what you're doing. It just is. Everything's muffled. You're so focused on that shoot procedure, mark out your spur ride and your finish. Mm
0: -hmm. Right.
2: (laughs) That everything is just muffled. You hear it. It's just muffled. And then you step off. And then you start to hear the announcer, or like, right as you're getting off onto the pickup, man. You 89
0: start, and a half points, you know.
2: Yeah, that's like, he usually announces it right as you're getting off onto the pickup, man. And that horse is running off at, out of the arena. And you hear that, and it's like, whoo. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, my gosh. You that get is...
2: the chills, you know.
0: So, but, to, to make Mason who you are. We're going back down memory lane. Let's head down there. Okay. So we're we're headed into we're headed into where are we at in Utah? Where'd you grow up? So I was born in Las Vegas
2: in Henderson. Okay. We lived there till I was about four. And then we moved back to Utah um to Draper, Utah, which is about thirty minutes south of Salt Lake. hmm Growing up playing baseball, football, started racing motocross when we were seven.
0: Me and my brother, my older brother, we're seven, eight tell, years old. Tell, tell me about the difference between racing motocross and riding bucking horses. As a youngster, like, because you weren't thinking about bucking horses or were you? Um, I was
2: uh, not horses, but rodeo. Okay. I always told my mom, you know, she tells everybody this it's so funny to her and so cute. <laughs> he he always told me that he was going to be a cowboy. Okay. He's a, he's a cowboy. And I'd walk around the house, my dad's cowboy boots and his hat. And I just said, I'm a cowboy. Right. And we'd go on summer trips at, you know, little four or five still and go on summer trips. I remember getting on my first sheep. I remember being jacked up. They're like, yeah, we're going to the fair tomorrow, the rodeo tomorrow. You guys are all going to ride sheep. You know, me and my brother and all of our friends that we were with. And I was jacked up. no, no one really wanted to do it. And then we get there and I'm like, Hey, I don't want to, I don't want to do it. (laughs) You know? And I see everybody falling off, cheap rolling them.
0: Those are some of the worst. And I'm just like, I
2: don't want to (laughs) go. And I was like, I'm the last kid standing there. And they're like, come on, let's go. My dad just picks me up. And I'm like, I don't remember freaking out or crying or being upset that it, He's making me do it, but he's like, "Hey, you wanted to do this, dude." And he picks me up and puts me on it, and it was just like I can remember that. It's Mm. weird. I can remember that. You remember the wool. I can remember remember that. Yeah, the the sounds and the sights in that moment. But I, you know, everything else after that is blurred.
1: And you're four then? Yeah, about five. So one of your earliest memories? Yes, probably yeah
2: of doing anything. And I rode the crap out of this sheep across the arena and was just pumped up. You and know, your dad's going walking around telling everybody else. That, yeah, I think he really didn't know. I don't think, you know, what I had in mind in the future for any of that. Um, because I was always playing with motocross stuff, playing with little dirt bikes, building jumps with them. Um, we raced. Motocross. When I was seven, started racing motocross, and we were always building jumps at the neighbor's house that was being built. You know, that after they excavate the the foundation, like we were plenty of dirt, man, all over the neighborhood. We'd have a track here, a track there. We'd be ripping it up all around town. That's awesome. And that just, I loved riding bikes and loved racing motocross. And about 12, you know, 13, I had really had a lot of interest in racing motocross and being a supercross rider. And what were you dressing like it, in those it's, days? It's patchy. It's really patchy. I didn't really know how to fit in, I guess. I went to a school that nobody rodeoed at other than me, a friend down the street that their family raced horses. and. In the wintertime, they'd go cutting and sorting, team penning. And so I'd played the mix skater, BMX kid, but still going doing cowboy stuff if I wasn't at the motocross race mm-hmm. and hanging out with them and learning, you know, the the being around a horse intrigued me at the time as much as looking at a motorcycle. You know what I mean? Being around that motorcycle, starting it just mm-hmm. being a kid, revving it up. That intrigued me a lot. Um, and so about 14, I finally talked my mom into let me ride bulls. And, you know, between that seven and 14, I was going with those friends and going to little junior rodeos, little britches stuff just for fun. You know, we didn't have a motocross race and like, I want to go hang out. Can I go with them and ride to the rodeo? And You know, they're like, yeah, that's cool. Go ahead. (laughs) Didn't think anything of it.
1: Your Um, siblings, they're not in it at all. Nope. Your parents didn't rodeo.
2: My mom, she grew up around um, some racehorses. She rode horses, you know, when she was younger, but never really.
0: It wasn't an active part of your life growing up. No, not at all. Okay. Not at all.
2: And so about 14, I had some friends that were heavy in rodeo and, I was like, and they were riding bulls. You know, they started riding sheep, steers, now they're at bulls, and it's about 14, 15 years old. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hey, I want to go do that. I want to go try that. She's like, "Ah, I don't know. My dad's like, no, you're not doing that. And then I got a phone call. I was like 16 years old, 15, 16 years old. And my buddy's like, hey, there's this rodeo you want to come to. You can borrow my gear. I called my mom. like, hey, I really want to go do this. She's like, all right, let's go. So we drive out there and get on and I rode, rode it.
0: <laughs>
2: Dude, it wasn't like something rank,
0: right? But still. it was
2: a bucking nightmare, but just a junior bowl and I rode it. And I was like, holy crap, that was fun. <laughs> and I can do it. And that's so when then his mom
0: said, oh crap, that
2: Christmas. Yeah. That Christmas, it was, that was like October, November ish. I think. That Christmas, I got bull riding gear. I was like really thinking about it all the time, right? Got bull riding gear, and started uh, going to the rodeos more. In the especially in the winter time, was all the rodeo, the junior stuff happens, and then the summer comes around, and they don't really have any of it, and so I'd race motocross all summer long. and Be back to the biker punk kid. Um, Bulls and bikes, yeah what it was and then uh that following year you know i finally talked to my mom and dad into letting me sell one of my race bikes and i bought a horse with that money and it was one of those one of our friends down the street that i went to school with that rodeo and did the cutting was a nice horse for my age and what i could afford and kept him over there for a while and the neighbors like oh we have an extra place over here they had a horse that was by itself and a couple stalls so then i eventually moved it over there but tried to do the roping deal on him and he just wasn't uh, he was about 12 or 13 at the time and he just you couldn't i didn't know enough my parents didn't know enough about it so it was all confusing like how why can't you just go get on that horse and go rope why can't you just why do you got to get another horse and he wasn't trained to rope. No. He's trained to sort, cut, really good team penning horse. Little, really mm-hmm, catty. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just didn't, you know, they didn't understand that. And I didn't understand how to ride good enough to maybe coach him into that to be able sure. to. And finally I just kind of got sick of it, bored of it. Like don't have money to get another horse, don't have money to go train or get a get a uh, coach to rope. I'm, I'm gonna buy better bull riding gear. Want to ride? I'm just gonna work on riding bulls. And then that was you know sixteen, seventeen.
0: You're playing football and 15, baseball. Yep. You're racing motocross. You're all of it,
2: all of it. Busy. And then my buddies start steer wrestling. They get a steer wrestling horse, and we're doing the shoot dogging. And we start steer wrestling, you know, junior year. I want to do that. And then I asked for Christmas for a, a steer wrestling clinic to Rope Myers. And I went down to Rope Myers for three days and learned how to dog steers. And the second day, we were jumping steers, and the horse didn't really fade away after I jumped the, onto the steer. And he clipped the side of my ankle and Mm. broke piece off my ankle. I didn't really know it at the time. Just went, got a lot of ice and wrapped it up tight. Finally got a boot in it the next morning. And they simulate having a rodeo and I won the school. I think I jumped that steer and like, it was like 3.4, no barrier. Mm. But I'm like, I'm definitely the smallest kid at the school at 16 years old and just flipped this thing in 3.4. And I just felt larger than life.
1: Needless to say, you're athletic. Yeah. It's a natural in, in this way. Well, sometimes it yeah. seems like you excel at everything you try
2: football. Yeah. I was okay. I wasn't really good, but I don't think I had the love and the desire to try to work at it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just, I, good I was okay at that but this stuff I like really I could mentally think about it and vividly imagine it mm-hmm. at that age not like I not like uh, football you know it was just show up practice play right mm-hmm. to me there wasn't any, any imagination or dreams or goals in front of it and uh, so I end up mounting out on this buddy's horse nice dog and horse and doing really good and making the High school finals, my junior and senior year in steer wrestling and bull riding. Um, graduated high school at 17. And that summer, I was at a motocross race middle of the summer in between a rodeo. And we were on lap, I don't know, eight, nine of 12. And they didn't water the track all night. They sprayed water on it after that eighth or ninth lap come out of a corner and we call it they call it scrubbing scrubbing a jump, staying low to stay fast and my back tire washes out i let off the throttle at the top of the jump bike throws me pitches forward so back tires looking up at the stars front tires looking down at the ground and lands right into a rut Mm. and it just like the tire stuck into the mud into the rut and then slingshot me into the berm, into the corner that was thirty feet away, flat to my back, like this. Just broke my back. Broke, broke your back. Uh huh. Broke my back. Broke two ribs, and punctured a lung. And <clears throat> they kept me on a stretcher for like three hours. How old are you at this point? Seventeen. They kept me on a stretcher for like three hours. You know, they I got had to take an ambulance ride. For the first time, I had broken both my legs, both my ankles, both my arms before that. Um, had three surgeries before I was 17. Wow. Just, I broke everything at least twice. And then I just lay in there like, man, I, I try and come back at this and I get over my head and I start riding crazy and just doing weird stuff and, and I get hurt. I'm just, I'm over this. I don't wanna do this anymore. And I'll still go ride, but that was just kind of a deciding factor. Like I'm done race motocross like this. Mm -hmm. We're thinking that this is going to be what I do. And me and a buddy, my best friend, we finally get our pro cards. When we turn 18, we get our permits and we fill our permits and we're riding. We'll jump back to the, to the, the uh, Mondana deal this just kind of falls into the bareback riding, but we fill in our cards and as a bull rider, as a, as a bull rider
0: and a bulldogger, no or a wrestler.
2: No, no, just bull rider. Yep. After high school, after that last state finals, I still didn't have enough money saved up to buy a, a, a nice dog and horse and just kind of lost interest with it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, 19 rolls around, I'm riding with another buddy, and we're at the Prescott Rodeo. And I never really watched the whole um, beginning because we just show up, you know, right as it starts, pull our gear out, warm up, warm our rope up, get on our bull, leave. And I watched the national anthem and the bareback riding, and I watched all 15, 20 guys, you know. Prescott's a big deal. I had no idea who those guys really were. Didn't pay attention to that event.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I was just like, "Man, that looks fun. <laughs> that looks cool. That looks like me. That looks intense." And called my best friend up. He'd been on a couple of bareback horses. I said, "Hey, I need to borrow that bareback riding gear you got. I'm driving back from Prescott." And he goes, "No, no, dude. No, you're not. You're not doing that." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm. I'm coming back." From Prescott, I'm gonna pick up that rigging and your gear. I'm gonna go up to Woodruff, Utah, to get on a couple horses in uh, in their small town rodeo. A buddy of ours lived up there, and I called him. He's like, "Hey, we got spots in the bareback ride <laughs> Count me in." I'm on my way. Coming from Arizona, drove all night from Arizona back to Salt Lake. Took a shower, stopped at home, grabbed new shirt, drove over across town, grabbed my buddy's gear. Drove another two and a half, three hours up to Woodruff. Got on two bareback courses that day. First one, pretty quick work of (laughs) me. Straight out the back door. Second one, I was, all right, I'm fired up. Like, I'm going to stay on. I'm going to stay on, move my feet. I'm going to do something. I'm not going to get bucked off. And I made it to, I don't know, five, six, longer, but I remember Having that feeling of those first two jumps and watching my feet, you know, at the time kind of just blow out, but they're moving. And I'm, I know that I'm staying back and feeling like I'm doing something for Mm -hmm. those five seconds. Then I got the off factor. Right. And then you're thinking of what to do and you can't do that on a bareback horse. Bucks me off. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm going to ride bareback horses. This is cool. I finally save up some gear and get to riding bareback horses and bulls at the same time and it made me a better bull rider i started riding really good riding bulls i think it just slowed it down bareback riding so fast Mm -hmm. it slowed my bull riding down and was doing really good at it
1: so when when do you have this moment or do you have this moment that you think i can I can make a career out of this. I could go to the NFR. Do you you ever have that moment or is it just, you're just going through life and this is where it kind of takes you. And I'm just going through life. Just. And just having fun.
2: Just having fun. No plan. no. No plan. No real idea where this could take me, what, what I could do with it. And that didn't hit me until I won the region college it was like and i did i I just won that and Maybe I, I did some. i did really good this year i think uh, i want to be a world champion at this mm-hmm. i want to be the best at this
3: mm-hmm.
1: like was there ever a day that you just woke up and you're like I'm, i might have something no i just i think it just came on it didn't it, just come on it's no, been an
2: evolution it wasn't a wake up and yeah Let's go to the gym and go get on some bareback horse practice. And I'm going to be the best at this. It just kind of like slowly progressed into this mm-hmm. confidence to say that. Right. Yeah.
1: Through winning. Yeah. <laughs> so going back to the mental toughness question, how do you, you know, there's a kid in high school, maybe he's a freshman right now somewhere. And he's going to hear this podcast or he's going to see you on TV or you know, he's going to get online, he's going to Google your name, he's going to read your story, you've won half a million dollars at this point in your career, you're not even 30 years old yet, and we can talk a little bit about that, but how does how does that kid get mentally tough enough when he's not from a rodeo family, and it's intimidating, you know, it's it's super intimidating to walk up to these cowboys or or to, I mean, how does somebody get started who here's what you're saying and it ignites something in them and they want to try because you said yourself that, you know, it's a dying breed. And so how can we inspire young people to be more interested and take more action and those kind of things like that? I mean, obviously people have changed, kids have changed, right? Yeah. Uh, when you were a kid, you didn't have smartphone. You didn't grow up with a phone. You didn't grow up with all the technology that kids have today, but how can we, Get that kid off the sofa, and how can we encourage him to grow his mental toughness and take the next step? Yeah, I didn't. I grew up pretty, pretty good. We weren't, we weren't
2: a very poor family. Uh huh. We were really fortunate. Mm-hmm. Dad always worked his butt off mm-hmm. to give us kids what we wanted when we worked hard at school. You know. Yeah. You work hard at school, I'll work hard at work, and I'll, I'll go get that. We'll go buy that. But you need to perform. School is t- tough for me. Amen. School is super tough for mm-hmm. me. Me too. I think I sat out my entire fourth grade year. Oh, really? <laughs> because of a motocross injury. Bike landed on me, fractured my whole wrist in half. They pinned it and it got infected and had a really bad bone infection. Had to get a pick line just if anything moved that pick line, you know, th- th- it goes into your arm to your and heart. straight into your heart. Mm-hmm. And so being that young, if I was out to go out at recess or kids messing around any little movement and that thing slips, it's, I'd bleed out faster than I can get to the hospital. Mm-hmm. And so it made me sit out and it just was tough. <laughs> School's really tough. And, They never really just gave us anything. Parents never really, never gave us anything. Just a a freebie. Here you go. Right. You want, you want to go hang out with friends tonight and a little bit of cash to buy yourself a drink or cheeseburger. You're going to mow lawn. You're going to pull all the weeds. Mm -hmm. And then when that's done, you're going to clean the garage, sweep the garage up, clean all your crap up. Mm Mm-hmm. And stuff was put away like that daily. If you didn't have your homework done, the yard chores done, whatever I asked of you done first, you're not going anywhere. There was a lot of discipline. Mom put that into us and made us do the tough things that you didn't want to go do, you know? And they would always tell us, hey, you'll appreciate it later. You'll appreciate that later. You're pissed off, thinking, "Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Screw you, man. I want to go play. Mm-hmm. Right? Sick of working in the yard. That's my answer to that. Your parents taught work you harder, work ethic. Do the do the do the hard things, and then get to enjoy the. Do rest. the hard things because it will pay off. So, and so that's why what I say to the younger generation: if you don't want if if you want to go do whatever it is. Do the hard things. Make sure that you're doing the hard things and good. And just blaze through it. Take we got, it. Oh, man, we got graded on the lawn being mowed. We got graded on the weeds being really? picked. Oh, yeah, your room being picked up, your clothes being folded, put away. I started doing my own laundry when I was seven, eight years old. Wow. Mom made you make your bed, put your stuff away, keep your stuff clean. Mm-hmm. We work hard to have this nice stuff. You take care of it. You appreciate You're it. You're going to learn how to take care of it. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I, what I say. I do the hard things and do them well. Don't just hurry and get it done. Do them well and do it daily. So you've got to roll over into your bareback riding. That will roll over into your baseball,
0: your business, your,
2: football, your... whatever you want to be a professional at. that rolls into that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: That's why your parents are hard on you. Do and you... I, Appreciate it every day of my life now.
0: Do you, so, I mean, right now with you being, I mean, your main source of income is riding bucking horses. Mm -hmm. Um, What, what are you going through right now to, to stay up on your game? I mean, what are you having what are the hard things that you're doing now that you're having to force yourself through?
2: I'm going back to, you know, there's a lot of downtime this time. Especially with COVID. I don't want to go work out. Right. (laughs) Don't like, I honestly, there was a time when I really enjoyed it, but now, you know, I'm 27. There's just other things that are consuming my mind that I'm thinking about and I don't want to work out. I want to, I want to go hang out. I want to go fly fish. I want to go ride horses. I want to mm-hmm. do other stuff.
0: So we've, we've blazed through this podcast. Like, I mean, it's, unbelievable what we've kind of covered already and time is now eluding us. But at the same time, I want to look at after rodeo and the reason that you're in Del city. um, What, what do you think is going to be one of the, one of the bigger takeaways that you have from rodeo, but two, what do you think it's going to, to change in your world as you leave rodeo in the next 20 years?
2: Rodeo has given me everything that I've ever wanted. Mm-hmm. It's gave me a purpose. It's gave me financial stability at times. And <laughs> then stability. Yes. A lot of that, but it's given me great friendships such as sitting at this table, meeting you guys, give me, you know, bison union, cinch or so the camaraderie and rodeo is Awesome. Right. I'm not a tighter group of people, professional athletes than rodeo people, farmers, ranchers. We all look out for each other in one way or another. Right. Yep.
0: You still got a competition, but at the same time you want everybody to do good. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I like that and I take that away and I want to contribute back to that. I don't have, you know, I'd like to do schools and clinics and um, I see myself doing some ready mix, you know, back to the family business. Uh, I see myself getting horses, training horses, um, mules to, <coughs> for outfitters to sell the outfitters, make something solid that'll last them seasons. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: That's what I am. I I want to be. I'm a mule. My dad said that he was, <laughs> uh, no, excuse me. I'm pack going mule. back. Yeah, pack mule kind of. Yeah. No, but really he said he, he I'm a jackass. Yeah, I was just about to say, did he get confused with a, a jackass? <laughs> yeah, or? no, that's actually where he was headed. He said that my mom was a thoroughbred and he was a mule. <laughs> Sorry, I got <laughs> sidetracked. It's getting hot in here. He was a jackass and now you're the mule. Yeah, I'm whatever, however that you're breeding process works. Ass. Yeah. Yeah, it just works out that way real good. Yeah. Okay. We so all? so we're you want to get into you you got a lot of opportunities. I mean, after rodeo, it's not like it just stops because you you're building these relationships with all of these people. You're building relationships with, with us and and Bert and Buster and all these amazing people. What is the greatest experience you've had thus far in life or rodeo in, in life?
2: I can't name one. I really just cannot name one.
0: That's a good answer. <laughs> that's a good I, life. I, I mean, I've I
2: really have lived an amazing life in the in twenty seven years. I've got a really good life, and I, I think that guiding in Montana through those four years that was incredible to me, and I miss it all the time. I love doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just going to the NFR. That's another amazing. Marker in my life, and still competing, competing in the American um, meeting, um, meet meeting uh, movie stars, meeting um, really, really respectable armed force men and women high up in the ranks. You just don't meet on a Make out of a the basis. blue. Yeah. You don't meet that out of the blue. Rodeo's taken me to all those avenues to meet all those people, do all those things. I just don't have one.
0: Really don't. So I've got two questions to finish us out. Other than family members or your religion of choice, who is your biggest hero?
2: My biggest hero is is uh Casey Field's dad, Lewis. I knew him for two years. In those two years it was too short. But it made a hell of an impact on my life. He always taught, you know, to be a good person, do what's right. And I really, I really enjoyed being around Casey, his dad, and their family, the way that they treated each other. I really enjoyed seeing all that and the way that how Lou <clears throat> treated his family and how he treated other people that would come up and meet him, you know, get the awe factor. You're Lewis Phil. Mm-hmm. Just another guy,
1: <clears throat> how I feel but he gave them respect. What what do you think and the greatest thing you learned from him was like, is there a life lesson or a takeaway
0: Treat everybody the same way?
2: Yeah. I mean, treat somebody how you want to be treated. I think that's why I am how I am. Sure. There's times when I might not seem like the friendliest guy in the world, but I want to treat you the way that I want you to treat me mm-hmm. and vice versa. Absolutely. With you, everybody I come in contact with and that that to me and what he accomplished as well. Um, when those three world titles that, uh, that makes a hero to me mm-hmm. and to still be the man of his family to his community, to his sport, his industry that gave him everything. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Last small question. What's your biggest fear? Snakes. <laughs> snakes. I don't like snakes. That's, that's
2: probably in burning. That's, I don't know. It's weird. We'll share I that. Think that's weird, but uh, burning. Yeah. I think that's a fear. And I did go through a firefighting Academy and had an idea to go be a wildland firefighter too, but I never thought about that. Right. But that scares the crap out of me. Just if I have that thought burning, I don't want that or a snake. That's, that's what a snake does to me. I get the same feeling.
3: Yeah.
0: I can, I can, I can smell uh, (laughs) it. Well, I just want to say Mason, just for you getting on a plane coming out to the farm, getting to hang out and us getting to hang out with you has been one of the funnest short periods of windows of time that I've had in a long time.
2: Yeah, I didn't. as soon as I got here and we started talking, me and Johnny yesterday when I landed and had lunch, I'm like, Hey, do you think I ought to stay another day? get some more stuff done, and I just felt like I'm we're gonna have a great time out here. And yeah. then last night, I was really happy that we booked another day because it's just fun to be out here to see your operation, how much hard work goes into all this, <clears throat> and what you're doing with Chafe. You're not just building a company to profit off of. You're Johnny. You're not. You're not just here just to sell people crap, to tell them a bunch of bullshit that they want to hear to make them happy so that you can sell the product and make your cut. You're out here to give back to the FFA agriculture in a, a whole. And you put the love and the passion of that into your product. And just like me, I eat good. I perform good. And your product is something that your horses are going to eat. That's great for them and they're going to perform great for you.
0: That's, that's, that's the hope, you know, and I Mm -hmm. I think the thing that we want the most out of is we want to leave this earth one better than we found it. And two, we want to leave this earth creating an impact that positively changed people. And if it happens to be through their animals that changed their life, then we're just honored to be a part of that process.
2: No, I'm honored to be here and know you guys, because it's, it's inspiring to me to, be better, bareback rider. Be a better person. To be a better businessman, husband. Next year,
3: whoop whoop. Mm-hmm.
2: happening.
1: Yeah, here she comes. But no, it's. I think it takes one to know one.
0: Absolutely.
2: I'm grateful to be here and sitting here talking with you guys about this and to visit your your place.
0: You're always welcome. We've always got a seat at the table with us, man.
2: It's awesome here. Thank absolutely. you. Absolutely appreciate it
0: from all of us out here in the middle. We thank you for tuning into the Big Ten. Uh, next week we've had another one that we're rolling down the hill that we're pretty excited about too. And I just want to say, uh, be well, be blessed, God bless, and, uh, continue to pray for this country. And let's just see if we can get ourselves back up on track. Have a good day.